After a rush to shift to remote work, what should your IT team be working on during the pandemic? We'll ask the experts next on the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom. All right, welcome into another episode of the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom and another one in our ongoing series of recording remotely. Uh, I'm your host, Marty Carpenter, joined today by Philip Kemp and Dan Schuyler, both from Valcom. Uh, guys, impressive work this week on the virtual backgrounds that nobody's going to see but the three of us. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm really liking what you've what you've chosen and what you've decided to go with this week. Hey, who doesn't love kangaroos? That's right, kangaroos for Philip. And uh, remind me, I'm so bad with Utah landmarks, but is that Delicate Arch? Yeah, the Arches National Park, Moab. All right, beautiful. So uh, just so you guys can get a, the home listening audience can get a sense of the ambiance that we have going here. And I went with the plain old boring actual background of my office sitting here because I just didn't have time to fiddle around with it this time. Uh, hey, guys, I, I'm glad that uh, we've got both of you on the show this week because uh, it, it, Dan and I, you talked about this a couple weeks ago, uh, that uh, it seems like all we've been able to talk about for a while has been remote work and Zoom and uh, you know, or, or video platforms or video conferencing platforms and security issues with that. And I, I was really just looking for something else to talk about this week. And I love this idea from a story that I saw, and we'll post the link, but it is a good kickoff point. Essentially, I, I think of this as uh, when, when the pandemic hits and, and all of a sudden people aren't driving anywhere and we see gas prices go down and oil prices go negative, great time for a state or a city or a county to go repair a road, right? There's money there for it. There's already people who are hired to go work on it, but expedite those types of programs. So it leads us to this question, if you're a business and all of a sudden you have people working remotely and your office might be very, very quiet, maybe there are a few people in, uh, what are some of the things that should be getting done? And to put this into Napoleon Dynamite speak, I think about Uncle Rico who said, you might as well do something while you're doing nothing. So how do we get, how, what should businesses do to be doing something while they're doing nothing? Um, what, what would you, what, what should an IT team be doing right now? What would the recommendation be that, that you would give to a business saying, how do I make the most of this time? Let's realize that I think a lot of IT staff are supporting their employees remotely. Um, I've talked to several this week who are just as busy or busier uh, supporting their uh, staff remotely. Um, but to your point, if there is some downtime, one of the recommendations would be to evaluate the IT infrastructure and see if they're our organizational systems that are getting close to end of life or perform system maintenance that always gets pushed on the back burner. I mean, simple, simple system maintenance, something as benign as just making sure that um, your servers aren't covered in dust, uh, that you have good cable management um, and that uh, you're not, that any of your organizational systems um, aren't uh, getting close to end of life or having any immediate failures. So sort of taking stock, if you will, of, of what you've put off on the back burner or just not been able to get to because it wasn't a priority. So for those, for those teams that have that extra downtime, and I think, I think for the most part that's few, few and far, by, far between right now, but as, as this plays out, there could be some more downtime. Just take stock of what you've got, look at the priorities and things that you've put off and try to address those. It may not necessarily be downtime for your IT staff, uh, but certainly there, uh, 
if there are any projects that you normally have to put off or squeeze into the weekends or nights or things that have to be done when the rest of the company is not there, now all of a sudden you have a much bigger time of not there. What do you think, Philip? What kind of things would you recommend to a business that they uh, at least consider doing at this point? First of all, certainly look at any of the physical projects that were on your radar. Like if, if you were rewiring infrastructure, then now's a great time to do it. Uh, let's say you have a conference room that needs to be upgraded, new, new infrastructure, well, no one's using it. So perfect time, it's not gonna be very disruptive. Of course, there's a lot of, of maintenance tasks with cybersecurity that need to happen periodically, and hopefully those have already been uh, kept up to date and, and teams have been able to handle those, but uh, that's, that's a perfect world and, and that's not always reality. Um, although the, the reality now is your workers may still need some of those systems. So you can't necessarily patch every single system right now during the day. It could have some of the same challenges, but there may be some key systems that, uh, for example, are not as busy. So there's more time uh, to either upgrade, to patch. You know, perhaps there's a, an old antiquated uh, server running uh, Windows 2003, and now's, now's a great time to uh, get, get it up to a modern operating system. On the flip side of that, is there anything that maybe a company might rush, into, rush to do, or, or maybe someone thinks, yeah, that now's a great time to do this, but that they might want to reconsider or really think about, eh, maybe you don't want to do that while all of your staff is, is working remotely or much of your staff is working remotely. Is there any flip side to that of like, eh, you might be inclined to do this, but maybe you should, should think of these projects we've listed instead first. Hmm. You know, it certainly depends on the business there. We, one thing that we have heard that's interesting is some organizations are planning on, uh, keeping this remote work uh, kind of for the long term. They, they, there's been some benefits they've enjoyed from it and uh, for the foreseeable future they need to do it anyway. So they've been putting more resources into enabling workers to be remote. You know, not necessarily all their workers, but a bigger portion that would be working indefinitely from home. So maybe there's some projects that you would think, oh, we need to, we need to get these done while people are gone assuming that they're coming back, but you're saying not everybody may be coming back in that sense. And so focus the energies more on solidifying this new process that we got. Dan, what do you think about that? No, I couldn't, I, I completely agree. I would add that, you know, when you're working remotely uh, and you're not directly connected to the network, um, that does present some problems if you're trying to do a major software update not necessarily an operating system update or a patch but if you've had a if you've got a project where for example you're about to deploy a new crm that has um, a client app that needs to be installed that would probably be a little bit more difficult to manage and and complete when you have remote workers certainly you could still do it but it's much easier when everybody um, is working in the same in, in the office on the same network yeah so if clients are now calling a company, oh, let's throw one out there like Valcom and saying, hey, we feel like there's something we could maybe be productive on that we haven't been productive on or that we've been putting off. Uh, is, it any, is it more challenging for a company like Valcom to help a client given these circumstances or is this sort of a window of opportunity to get things done? For a lot of our divisions, especially the division that does structured cabling, 
um, audio visual, it's been a huge, huge window. They've had a lot more uh, flexibility and scheduling to be able to do these types of projects for sure. And there's a lot of things that we can do remotely as well. Just like the employees are working remotely, there's a lot of things that Valcom can do by remoting into a network or remoting into a computer uh, as well. Great. Um, what is there anything else that would make like this a good time to try to tackle some of these projects or just people being out of the way? Does that you say that IT folks are still busy because they've still got to be there to help all the folks who are working remotely? Is there anything else that makes this right now a good time? to tackle projects? Is it maybe that businesses have been so focused in one direction that now maybe, do you guys have a little more time to go help some folks? Or is it easier now because they're working remotely and they're able to kind of connect with you? Is there anything about this that's been a, a, a general positive for the type of work you guys do? Well, they're, they're, we already talked about the maintenance angle and, and I've even heard as far as there are some systems that organizations have been able to turn off for whatever reason. So those that's a great time like you, let's say there's a network segmentation project and you have to, to change ip addresses moving systems to to uh, other subnets you know great time for things like that um another thing is you know look at the landscape it's going to be a little bit different who knows what what the what things are going to be like in the future none of us can predict the future but are there technology projects pr technologies out there that you could use to enable your business. I mean, look at technology right now, right? We're, we're talking remotely. A lot of uh, organizations are, are doing the same kind of thing with conference calling and VPN. They're, they're deploying more solutions to enable their, their employees to be more effective and productive and collaborate while remote. Are there those types of technologies? Are there technologies like that that would be customer facing or maybe a different business angle, given the fact that things aren't exactly the way that most of us thought they'd be now, and, and they will probably change even more. Yeah. And as Philip mentioned, a lot of these organizations are evaluating whether they're going to um, stay remote for the foreseeable future. And you know, they, they quickly um, put this remote workforce together uh, in, in order to satisfy all the needs with regards to the pandemic. But if, if their long-term goal is to remain remote, then there's a lot of um, future thinking that they need to do from uh, an infrastructure perspective, from a hardware perspective, and making sure that, as we mentioned before, that all of those security controls are in place, even for your remote workforce. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, for, a, for a lot of businesses, I think that this might be true, that they've suddenly been forced to be very innovative or very progressive in the decisions they're making as far as being able to work remotely. Maybe as Philip said, they like those and they want to make those more of a permanent part of how they do business going forward. At the same time, we have some economic shift that we don't fully have our arms wrapped around us to what the economy is going to look like when things uh, go at least somewhat back to normal as we take some steps back toward normal. And I wonder if you've got businesses that are starting to make this calculation saying, hey, we need to find a way to cut some costs. And in the past, you might have been worried, oh, someone will cut costs or cut corners on a security measure, something to do with our network or, or anything along those lines. Uh, and now you might have businesses actually having hit this tipping point mentally where they're starting to say, maybe what we don't need is so much square footage. Maybe what we don't need is so many offices. Maybe what we like is this remote stuff. And so what's more in danger is 
do we need quite so many office spaces when we can have people working from home? I think it'll be really fascinating to see how it shakes out. Absolutely. Certainly. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with more right after this on the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom. Aren't you glad there isn't training for the fish to teach them how to avoid your hook and bait? Informational phishing is big business for hackers, and they love that your end users don't know how to identify it. Attacks have shown record growth in recent years, and a solid security awareness program is an integral part of any defense in-depth strategy. Lucky for you, Sophos has created a phishing attack simulation and training for your end users. Sophos Fish Threat educates and tests your end users through automated attack simulations, quality security awareness training, and actionable reporting metrics. So train your users how to avoid a hacker's hook and bait. Go to vlcmtech.com slash fish. That's vlcmtech.com slash phish. Allowing your employees to bring in their own devices is like allowing them to bring in a security time bomb to your workplace. So how do you take the burden of onboarding so many new devices off your IT department without sacrificing security or policy enforcement. Look no further than Aruba ClearPass. ClearPass allows you to safely connect business and personal devices to your network in compliance with your security policies. It allows you to allocate access to devices based on users' roles, device type, and cybersecurity posture. At Valcom, they're all about saving you time while still protecting your privacy. Dismantle your time bombs at vlcmtech.com slash clearpass. That's vlcmtech.com slash clearpass. All right, welcome back to uh, the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom, Dan Schuyler, Philip Kemp, Marty Carpenter with you. Uh, one point that we wanted to touch on just as we wrapped up the last uh, segment, Philip, you made mention that uh, as we're thinking, as companies are thinking about these projects uh, that they could be doing now, uh, some of that is going and cleaning up any of the mistakes that happened by the, the transition. So give us a little bit of your thoughts on that. Sure. I, I think a lot of IT teams were uh, compelled to make some very quick uh, deployments and in installation, whether it's software, hardware. Uh, because they needed to enable these um, remote employees as quickly as possible. So if there's any downtime, go through, make sure that they didn't make any mistakes in that uh, speedy process. Make sure that everything's uh, been uh, double and triple checked because attackers right now are not resting on their laurels and they're trying to exploit the situation as much as they can. Yeah, and Dan, understandable that there could have been some mistakes made as we all kind of very quickly had to go through this process of shifting work away from the office. Absolutely, I completely agree with Philip. Cross your T's, dot your I's. We've, over the last 30 days, we've seen an increase in the number of ransomware attacks, especially now that we have so many remote workers. So you want to make sure that your security posture and security controls are in place. Yeah, good advice, good, good points there. Wanted to kind of put a cap on that to wrap up that discussion. Uh, wanted to talk about this here in segment number two of our show today. Uh, and this is sort of uh, the good guys are fighting back. I just figured we could use a little bit of good news, right? And it's uh, plenty of news right now is, is uh, kind of can throw you off for the rest of the day. There's not a whole lot of great news coming out, but. That's uh, a good way I, to put it, Marty. Yeah, yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to put a, you know, some icing on the cake. So just something to make it a little bit sweeter. But uh, I like this story and it said, uh, cyber, and we'll put a link to this up on the website. Uh, cyber criminals are increasingly coming up against an army of information security professionals worldwide who have come together over the past months 
to fight a quiet daily war online to block the efforts of hackers. Uh, one network of these white hackers, white hat hackers is the nonprofit COVID-19 CTI League. I like that they're a league. It makes me think that they're like the, the League of Justice or the Justice League. Which is it? There's a superhero fan somewhere on the panel, right? They're the League of Justice? Justice League, League of Doom, something like that, right? So the good guys. There's some good guys coming here. Um, the, C the COVID-19 CTI League, which is made up of more than 1,400 volunteers in 76 countries, 22 different time zones from sectors including uh, information security, telecommunications, and law enforcement. The group's goal is to thwart efforts by criminal organizations to dismantle critical systems, including those that are uh, overworked hospitals, um, that overworked hospitals are rely on to ensure treatment for patients suffering from COVID-19. Um, I, I, that, uh, that from a story from uh, reporting done by The Hill, I, I just thought, hey, how great is it that uh, it's, it's bad that the hackers are going after particularly hospitals. I mean, these are people who are in a big enough of a battle on their own. Uh, but to see the good guys rallying, uh, what, what do you guys make of that? Uh, maybe you're part of the, of the League of Justice here, the Justice League. What do we decide on? <laughs> well, I, I'm not part of it. Actually, I had only heard of it today re reading through that article. Uh, but I think it's a it's a great thing. These uh, these these medical providers, their organizations, their IT staff are working hard towards uh, helping their patients, and they they probably are uh, pr pretty overworked. And with with the influx of more attacks, especially against those medical organizations, they could they could use some help. I think. Say if any infrastructure needs to be protected right now, it's our our healthcare system. And it, it's unfortunate that the, the malicious actors have decided to target uh, that infrastructure. And so it's, it's to Philip's point, it's great to see a bunch of individuals banding together to uh, protect or, or rally around the, the healthcare uh, infrastructure to, protect, to protect, um, protect those people. Now, I think what's great about it is in times of non-crisis, when we think of um, incident response planning, and especially when larger organizations like governments in particular think about what will we do if we're hacked at, they're always got some measure of how do we prevent that from happening, but should there be some kind of large incident or should there be something that compromises our system or throws us into a, uh, a crisis, uh, how will we respond and what resources can we put toward it? And I think this is cool because it kind of shows an element of uh, there won't just be government that's there to, to rally, that given the opportunity, regular citizens will kind of rally as the good guys coming, the cavalry coming to, to fight off the bad guys. I, I just thought that was kind of interesting to see and, and maybe gives us some food for thought for how we can uh, plan for any future incidents, knowing that there are good people out there who want to help when given the chance. Well, and you know, we're all in the same, same situation, right? You, you help take down and thwart these criminal organizations' efforts and everyone wins from from that yeah yeah i was just going to say and, and the federal government has been reaching out to uh the public for that type of help uh looking for that type of expertise and so it's good to see that uh that this initiative is happening yeah you see that in a time of crisis you see celebrities pop up and asking people hey, I'm going to donate this. If you'll donate something or here's a good organization you can go donate to. People in general are, are looking for ways to contribute to the positive in a bad situation. And it's nice to see that for those who have that skill set, 
and again, this is some some very skilled technical uh, folks, uh, along with some lawyers and others. So the, a lot of people involved in this who can say, hey, maybe my best contribution isn't either only to give some money or or to, to do that and nothing else, but here's how my actual skill set can go and help. So I think uh, really cool, really cool stuff. All right, I think I was, that's a, yeah, go ahead, Dan. I was just gonna say, and there are other people who need um, computer assistance and they can't go and get that assistance or they can't have anybody come to their home to get that assistance. And so to your point, if there are volunteers out there that can help people remotely through a, a video conference or over a phone call, help them or troubleshoot their problem and provide some resolution. Um, that's definitely needed right now because we, we can't go out to seek assist assistance and we can't have somebody come to us to provide that assistance. Great point, great point. Uh, Dan Schuyler, Philip Kemp, thanks so much for your time today. That'll do it for this week of the Cyber 24 podcast presented by Valcom. This season of Cyber 24 is presented by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and service provider with the drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's 35 plus years means they have experience and expertise to help your business from desktop to the data center. At Valcom, you get much more than just a dedicated IT retailer. They actually become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and productive. Check them out, vlcmtech.com, to learn more about Valcom's end-to-end -end solutions, the technology vendors they partner with, and so much more. That's vlcmtech.com.